now I want to talk to you about your soul today. We're going to read in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, three verses out of some of Jesus' most familiar words. And I, I love these passages because this is an invitation. He's giving us an invitation. And it begins with, come to me. Now, I could park right there and preach the next 30 minutes just on that. But I want us to look at what he said because here Jesus, we're going to see, coined the phrase, rest for the soul. Jesus came to save our soul. Jesus is concerned about your soul. And look what he says here about the soul. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what, everybody? Rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly. Look at how he describes himself and think of how some other people describe him. He's not tough. He's not impossible to follow. Look what it says. I'm gentle. I'm lowly. And you will find, what are the next four words? Rest for your souls. So Jesus is concerned about soul rest. He wants our souls at rest. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, thank you today for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that it speaks to us, it ministers to us. And I pray that your word will reach into the souls, into the inner man, into the life of every person here. Those watching by streaming and those who will hear this on radio. Lord, reach into their soul. Send rest to their soul, comfort their soul, and I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Now, can you breathe a prayer, dear church, and say, Lord, I receive your word. Bring rest to my soul in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God heard that prayer without a doubt. Now, so far in this uh, series of messages, we're calling soul survival. Now... It may sound strange to you that in a church full of Christians I would be talking about soul survival because aren't our souls already saved? Yes, they are, if you're a Christian, if you've turned to Christ. But once our souls are saved, they need to be cared for. And I can't care for your soul. I can feed your soul, but I can't care for your soul. Only you can care for your soul. And you know what? Only you will answer to Christ for how you spiritually grew. We all need to care for our souls. Now we've seen, uh, when I described what a soul is in the first message, that we are tripartite beings. That is, God created us in the Garden of Eden. God made us three part. Body, we all have a body. Soul, all that the body does is carry around the soul. Your body is just a vehicle to carry around your eternal soul. And then in the core of your soul, is your spirit. Now, I shared with you that when we're saved, you know, Jesus said, you must be born again. When Jesus said that, he was saying, your spirit man, the spirit inside of you, needs to be born again. Because when you and I are born, naturally, from our mama, that we're born with a dead spirit. Paul said, you who were dead... In trespasses and sins. So we're born, like it or not, it doesn't seem fair, but it's just true. We were born with Adam and Eve's sinful nature. So we were born with a spirit 
that is not plugged into the life of God. It is not alive. So he said, you were dead in trespasses and sins. But then he said, has, but he now has made you alive. So when you and I get saved, a miracle happens. The Holy Ghost comes to live inside of you. And as soon as the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, he immediately quickens. He makes alive your spirit man. That inner part of you that is eternal. He makes it alive. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, he has made alive. Our spirits will never be more alive than they are immediately when we're saved. But now when you come to the soul, the soul is a different story. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. He gave us a mind to think, a will to choose, and emotions to feel. If I get to know you as a friend, then I get to know your soul, your character, your personality, who you are. It is your soul that I get to know. Uh, and, and that's... That is that eternal part of you that Jesus said is more valuable than anything on earth. He said, what will it profit you if you go out and make billions of dollars but lose your own soul? Your soul is more valuable than anything in your life. Your soul. He made your soul. And Jesus came to die for our soul. When we die... Our bodies die. Our souls go into the presence of the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Our soul and our spirit immediately go into the presence of the Lord. They are eternal. Jesus came to save your soul. And I shared with you in the second week, your soul must be renewed. Your spirit man is instantly reborn. But your soul needs to be transformed over time. Be not conformed to this world, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's it talking about? What is transformed? Your soul. So that every day, you and I become more and more like Jesus. Let me tell you something about you. You and I together ought to be more like Jesus one year from now than we are today. That's called spiritual growth. Uh, Paul talked about us growing into the fullness of the stature of the likeness of Christ. So next we, uh, next year, we ought to love more, be more patient, be more kind, be more long-suffering, be more gentle, be more like Jesus, look more like him, talk more like him, think more like him, act more like him, do more like him. God loved Jesus so much, he wants a whole bunch of him. So that's why you're called Christian. You are a little, you, you should be like a little Christ. We should become more and more to be like him. So how does that happen? By the renewing of our minds. By taking in the word of God and renewing our minds. So we, we grow spiritually. But now, here's the deal. You can have a saved soul, but a sick soul. You can have a saved soul, but an anemic soul. You can have a saved soul, but a wounded soul. There's a lot of you, some of you walked in here today, wounded. You're wounded in your soul. Next week, I'm going to talk about a healed soul. How to get a healed soul. Your soul can be wounded. It can be hurt. It can be bleeding. It can be bruised. That's why it says Jesus was anointed to bind up the broken in heart. 
to set at liberty him that is captive. Our souls can be saved, but in great need of restoration. Now, our souls can also be saved and tired, worn out, frazzled, brittle, worn down. And that's why I want to talk to you today about a rested soul. We are to have a rested soul. Jesus said, I want you to take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You're going to find out that I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart. And you're going to find those of you who yoke yourselves to me and follow me. Where I go, you go. Where I stop, you stop. You're yoked to me. You're going to find rest for your soul. So that tells me that Jesus wants us to have soul rest. Amen? Now, we in America, we sure know what it is to have soul unrest. In America, we sure know how to have soul unrest. We are a stressed out culture, not a rested out culture. We're stressed. I read a survey and it revealed, or a recent survey revealed the number of Americans ex- reporting extreme stress continues to be very high. 20% of Americans that were polled said their stress is an eight, nine, or 10 on a 10 point scale. There's a fifth of our population walking around like wound up watch springs. A fifth of our population is living on the ragged edge. I'm stressed out. I am burned out. I am rusted out. You might have a saved soul, but you can have a stressed soul. And Jesus said, I don't want you stressed. I want you to have rest. The poll went on to say 44% of Americans feel more stressed than they did five years ago. I want you to think about that. Half the population said, my stress level is higher now than it was five years ago. I was stressed five years ago, but I'm way more stressed now. Do you know three out of four doctor visits are for stress-related ailments? Because stress, hey, stress will make your hair fall out. Some of you just said, whoa, I'm motivated to get unstressed right now. But now listen, stress will mess up your heart. Stress will mess up your digestive system. Stress will run a number on your nerves. Stress will rob you of sleep. And can I tell you that Jesus never intended for his children to walk around stressed out, rusted out, burned out. He never intended for us to walk around that way. He He intended for us to walk away rest, uh, rested out. Rested out. We are to be a rested in our soul people. Now where are you today? Are you rested or are you stressed? Stress-related ailments cost our nation $300 billion every year in medical bills and lost productivity. Because you see, you can't produce as well when you're stressed out as when you're rested. When you're rested, you can think better, you can produce better, you can perform better. But when you're all stressed out, you can't think clear, you can't function well, and it messes up productivity and it causes the loss of money. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are laboring and heavy laden under the stresses of life, and I will give you rest and you will find rest for your souls. So Americans on a whole are suffering in their soul, and that includes Christians. Suffering in their soul. I'm going to call this this area in here inside of us our interior life. We We are suffering in our interior life. Our souls are not being taken care of. The soul that isn't rested out is for sure going to end up burned out. 
Now I want to say right up front, this is very, very important. The soul was designed first to fellowship with God. When God made Adam and Eve, it says he walked with them in the cool of the garden. They walked with God. They talked with God. They fellowshiped with God. They related to God. They, they knew God extremely intimately and personally. They had a, an incredible relationship with their maker until sin put a division between the two, put a barrier between God and man. But God hardwired you and me to walk with him and to talk with him and to enjoy him and, and to fellowship with him and, and to share with him and, and to, to communicate with him. And that's why I don't understand how people do it without God. I get up every morning and I start talking to God. I talk to God all throughout my day. I talk to God in my heart and with my mouth all day long. When I go to bed at night, I say, good night, Lord. Thank you for a good day. And I share with him. I cannot imagine not having a vertical relationship with God. But listen. All soul rest, if you want a rested soul, it's got to begin with a saved soul. You cannot have a soul at rest that is not a soul that has been saved. We must be saved. Can I just harp on it? This is my mantra. This is my drumbeat. This is what I talk about all the time. But I would be doing you an injustice if I didn't tell you that the rest of what I'm going to say is totally irrelevant to you if you don't know Jesus. Because the beginning of soul rest is when you rest your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he comes into your heart and saves your soul. You can't have real soul rest until you rest in him. You can't. And I'm so glad it's not complicated. All you got to do is look up and say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart and I ask you to forgive me coming to my life. And be my Savior and Lord. And when your soul is saved, it immediately opens the door for you to experience rest for your souls the way God intended. Now, once that happens, once you're saved, the Christian soul needs to be replenished in two ways. Now, mark this down, write this down. You've got to get this. It'll change your life. Guess what? It'll save your life. Your soul needs to be replenished in two ways. Through breaks, regular breaks from busyness and regular quality time with God. You've got to have a break from your business and you've got to have regular quality times with God. Without that, your soul will never be at rest. Now, what Jesus said about busyness, he looked at his own disciples one day and he said, Hey guys, take a break. Let me read it to you. Look how busy they were. It says, Then because so many people were coming and going... They didn't even have time to eat. Now, if you don't even have time to eat, you're too busy. Amen? But he said, it says, there there were so many people coming and going. There were so many demands being made on them. So much pressure on them. That they didn't even have a chance to eat. And look what Jesus said to them. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some, say it with me. Come with me, said Jesus. To a quiet place and get some rest. And then he talked about regular time with God. Listen to what Jesus said. He told the devil this. He quoted this verse to the devil. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth 
of God. Now, let me tell you the truth. Without Jesus, without the bread of life, without spiritual food, you are existing, but you are not living a life. You are just existing on the planet till your body dies. But Jesus said, you will not live a real full life by just eating a, a McDonald's Big Mac. By food alone. But you need a word from God each and every day. Didn't he say in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus wasn't talking about wonder bread there. He was talking about spiritual food. Give us this day our spiritual food. Daily we need God's spiritual food. Now, you know, we know most of you on the way here, you looked at your gas tank. And you were watching your gas tank, and you at least looked at it once because you want to be sure that you don't run out of gas on your way to church on I-35. If you run out of gas on I-35, you need to plead the blood, you need to put on the armor, and you need to really believe God and remind Him that you are called. But you looked at your gas tank. Why? Because you want to have enough fuel to make it on your journey. Because you know you can't run on empty. But listen, so often we don't pay any attention to our soul's fuel gauge. Whether we're running low on our last Holy Ghost fill-up. Can I tell you something about you and me? We need a daily Holy Ghost fill-up. The Bible says... The Bible says, don't get drunk with wine, but be daily filled, be being filled daily with the Holy Spirit. You're only as strong as your last time with God. When was your last time with God? He said, well, Pastor Jeff, my last time with God was when I was here last Sunday and heard you preach. Well, that's not enough because you need a Holy Ghost fill up on Monday. You need to be refilled on Tuesday. You need it again on Wednesday. You need even more on Thursday. And you need it on TGIF Friday, too. And you need to fill up on Saturday so that when you come to church on Sunday, we're not here to fill you up again as you come dragging in. We're here to put a cherry on top of the Sunday of your day with God, of your week with God. Because you were with him all week long. And you know what would happen if all of us walk in here full of the Holy Spirit, having walked full of the Holy Spirit all week long, we're going to have a spiritual explosion. Because I don't have to preach you up, and we don't have to sing you up. You're already up. Nobody can sustain a healthy soul running on empty. Let me give you some indicators that you're running on empty. Here you go. Here's some indicators. You've got an empty soul that you need to take care of. Don't neglect it, but you need to be sure that you've got a soul at rest. Here's the indicators. One, things seem to bother you more than they should. When you're running on empty, everything bugs you. When you're running on empty, your spouse's gum chewing becomes a major character flaw. When you're running on empty, if somebody runs in front of you on I-35, it's time for World War III. Because you're on edge. You're, you're snappy. You're irritable. You're cranky. Even the pets run under the furniture when you walk in. Because you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you are running on low. You are, you've got a low tank. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God once again. Here's another sign. It's hard to make up your mind about even a simple decision. 
When you're running on low, you can't make up your mind about anything. Should I go here or should I go there? Should I go to bed at 10? Should I go to bed at 10.30? Should I go to the store now or should I go later? Simple little things just, just frazzle you when you're running on low. Your judgment suffers. This is a big one. When you're running on low, you're spiritually low. You haven't been with God. You've been so busy with the work of the Lord, you have forgotten the Lord of the work. Your judgment starts suffering. You start making bad, foolish, or even dangerous decisions. When you're running on low, you've got less courage when you're low. You more easily shrink in fear rather than stand in faith when, when you need to refill the tank. See, we refill the car, but we don't refill us. We pay real attention to the car gas gauge, but not our own. And listen, we need to learn the signs, everybody. We need to learn to recognize when our souls are low on fuel. I noticed that after calling fire down, look at Elijah. Elijah has all of Israel standing in front of him. He has over 400 prophets of Baal. He has King Saul standing there. King Ahab, rather, standing there. And, and, and he has told them, put together an altar, put a sacrifice on the altar, dig a trench and fill it with water, and I'm going to call fire down from heaven, and the God that answers by fire is the real God. And so they all, all the prophets of Baal, screamed and yelled and cut themselves all day, and no fire ever fell. And then Elijah, at the end of the day, stepped forward and said, God, show them who you are. And fire fell from heaven. It consumed the offering. It licked up the water that was in the trenches. And all the people fell down and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. But watch this. After that mighty miracle, Elijah walks away and word comes to him that one woman is out to get him. And he runs for his life from one woman, Jezebel. Now she was bad. Jezebel was bad, but God would have taken care of her if she had attacked Elijah and he had stood his ground. He wouldn't have had a thing to worry about, but because he was spiritually depleted, he experienced a soul meltdown and he ran into the wilderness and he ended up in a cave where God had to come find him and say, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be over there fighting uh, Baalism. You're supposed to be there standing as my prophet. You're supposed to be revealing my power to Ahab and Jezebel. What are you doing in here? And some of you are in a cave right now. And can I bring the word of the Lord to you? What are you doing in there? What are you doing in there? What are you doing in that cave? Well, Jeff, I'm just tired. I'm worn out, burned out, rusted out. I, I just, I, I don't want to do ministry anymore. I just don't have my vision anymore. And I want to say to you what God said to him. He said, get out of that cave. Get back to your calling. Put on Jesus. Put off the flesh. God's not done with you. He's got a fresh assignment. I'm, I'm preaching just a little bit today. It's the third service. I feel free. He said, Elijah, get out of this cave. I didn't anoint you to be in a cave. I anointed you to be out there showing my glory to a lost world. Come out of your cave. Soul fatigue, wrote one man, makes cowards of us all. Now I want to share with you the most familiar psalm in all the world. Psalms 23. I'm going to show you three simple things David did to restore his soul. How many of you want to know it? I said, how many of you want to know it? I got a bunch of tired souls in here. 
How many of you want to know how to get your soul at rest? How many of you want a rested soul? Say with me, a rested soul is a healthy soul. See, we can't give what we don't have. We want to be able to say to our culture, not only did he save me, but he made me whole inside. I've got a whole soul. Amen? Now, Psalms 23 is great, you know it, but let me just tell you what the verse, first verse says. David starts out saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. He not only saw God as his savior, but he saw God as his shepherd, therefore his provider. God is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. Why shall I not want? Because he knows what I need before I even ask him. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He's going to feed me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to order my steps. He's going to protect me. He is my shepherd. He is my all in all, the darling of my heart, the savior of my soul. He's my shepherd. And, and, and because of that, my soul is at rest. Listen. Soul rest begins and always begins with unloading all your burdens onto the Lord. You've got to unload your burdens and your worries onto the Lord. If you don't do that, you will never have a soul at rest because your own soul is going to be worrying all the time, fearing all the time, doubting all the time, uncertain all the time. So you've got to give your problems to Him. David said in another psalm, Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will not permit the godly to slip or fail. Now, the word sustain here means support and nourish. Now, I want you to look at this promise. He says, He says, when you give your burdens to the Lord, all your worries, especially provision issues, where's my money coming from? How am I going to pay those bills? How, what am I going to do about this broken down car? My house is falling apart. How am I going to get by? What am I going to do? The Bible says, roll that onto the Lord. And he will support and nourish you. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will support and nourish you. Peter said, casting all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. That's a more forceful word. Uh, David in Psalm 55 said, give your problems to the Lord, your burdens. But Peter says, throw them onto the Lord. Get them out of your hands like a hot potato. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. See, he's not only our sin bearer, he's our burden bearer. Soul rest begins with releasing the worries, the cares, the fears, and the concerns of life onto the back of our great burden bearer, Jesus Christ. This, folks, is why one out of two Americans are stressed out. Because they're walking around carrying all the burdens of life on their stooped shoulders. What am I going to do when my kids have gone crazy? What am I going to do with this marriage that's falling apart? What am I going to do with my financial needs? I don't see how I'm going to pay the bills. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God says, give it to me. Cast it onto me. Roll it onto me. Give it to me. Release it. Relinquish it. Place it in my nail-scarred hands. Remember what Jesus said at the beginning. 
Come to me, all you who are tired from the heavy burden you've been forced to carry. I will give you rest. Accept my teaching. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in spirit. You'll be able to get some rest. Yes, the teaching that I ask you to accept is easy, and the load I give you to carry is light. He was speaking to those who were carrying heavy burdens on their backs. The burden of sin. The guilt that comes from sin. The regret. The consequences. He said, give it to me. The burden of worry. The burden of uncertainty about the future. Roll it all onto me. Your soul will never rest until your problems have been given to him. He said, I'll take your burdens. You take my rest. That's a fair trade. That's a good trade. He says, give me your burdens. I'll give you my rest. My burden is easy. The load I give you to carry is light. So say with me, we give him our worries, our fears, our cares. And he in turn gives us rest. Now, that's where soul rest begins. But the next step David mentions is powerful. He said, he makes me lie down. Now notice he didn't say, I decided it would be a good idea for me to lie down. He didn't say that, did he? You know what he said? God makes me lie down. You know what that tells me? We don't lay down our busyness very easily. No, no, we don't get out of the rat race on our own. We don't slow down very easily. You know what God has to do sometimes? He has to make us lie down. He has to make us lie down. He said to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about so many things. But Mary, don't you know Mary loved this moment? But Mary, your sister, she has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. And what was the good part? Sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. He said, Martha, you're so frazzled and uptight and on edge and cranky, snapping at everybody in the house, steam coming out of your ears, going room to room, stomping around. He said, Martha, don't you know that if you would just roll your burdens onto me and listen to my word, you'd find rest for your soul? truth is most of us keep going until something makes us lie down we lose a job and god makes us lie down we experience some kind of affliction remember when david said he said before i was afflicted i drifted from your word but now that i've been afflicted i've rediscovered your word god starts shutting some doors and before we know it We were going here, we were going there, we were doing this and all involved in that. And suddenly we're finding ourselves being made to lie down, made to stop. And you know what? There's usually heel marks all the way. We don't like it. We don't like slowing down. We don't like stopping. When I graduated college, I just knew, world, here I come. Billy Graham, part two, I'm going to tear it up. I did my part. Now, Lord, open all those doors that I've been waiting for. I'm so, I was salivating to go out there and preach the word of God. And I put together a letter and I sent out this, this, this recommendation letter to all the big names I knew. And it was signed by some big names. And I was ready for all these phone calls and all these doors to open. And not one thing happened. <laughs> and I looked up and I said, Oh God. I don't understand. The world's going to hell. I'm ready to preach the word. Here I am. Send me. I stand with Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. And not one thing is happening. I don't get it. 
And what I didn't understand, it was a season of him making me lie down. You need to lie down, Jeff. Well, what do I need to lie down for? I'm ready to run. But here's the deal. God knows your tomorrow. And here's what I found. When the door finally opened about a year and a half later for me to pastor for the first time in my life, I discovered that everything I had learned, I had, you know what I said to myself when, when nothing opened? I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to read the Bible and pray more. Isn't it funny how we do? We say, we say, well, I've tried everything. I guess I'm going to have to pray. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? Well, I'm just being forced to pray. I guess I'll just, as a last resort, pray. It should have been first resort. But isn't it funny how we do the right thing when the pressure's on? Now, so I said, well, I guess I'm just going to have to memorize Scripture and just, and just read the Bible and, and wait on God. And... So I memorized a whole bunch of scripture. I read a whole bunch of biographies about God's great saints in the past and, and, and all these things. And I realized that when the door opened for me to senior pastor for the first time, I needed everything. Everything that I had learned during that time of lying down, I needed all of it and then some because I had no idea what my future held and what I was going to need and the pressure that was going to be on me. But God knows. God told Elijah, he sent an angel with the original angel food cake. And the angel said to him, Elijah, get up and eat. This is supernatural food. Get up and eat. And here's why. Because the journey is going to be too much for you. You've got a journey ahead of you you don't know anything about. You've got a journey ahead of you that is going to tax you to the hilt. I want you to eat this supernatural food, Elijah. Eat it. Because you're going to go a long, long ways on this food. And folks, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We have no idea that when God's got us at a rest stop, when God's got us on a divine detour, when no, no doors are open and we don't know where to turn, God is saying, feed yourself, feed on the word, feed on me. You're going to need it. So David cast his cares onto the Lord and he took a break from his busyness. And then I'm going to close with this. Why? What did God want him to do? He said, he made me lie down in green pastures and led me beside the still waters. Those green pastures, folks, absolutely symbolize and illustrate the word of God. He made me lie down so that I could graze in the pastures of God's good word. Stop your busyness, David, and graze a while in my word. Feed on my truth. Chew on my principles for living. Meditate on my grace, mercy, and character. And as Jesus said, learn of me. And as you learn of me, you will find rest for your soul. I got up this morning knowing I was going to preach to well over a thousand people. But you know what I did? I opened up my Bible, my through the year, in, uh, through the Bible in a year Bible, and I read my devotional for today. I didn't touch this sermon. I fed my own soul because I have learned if all I'm ever in the Bible for is a sermon, I'm in trouble. No, I need my own soul fed. And so I grazed in those pastures of tender grass. And then he said, and I want you to go to the still water. 
Now notice he didn't say troubled waters. He said still waters. You know the water in the Bible always symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he that believes on me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living what? Water. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. This is the water that God led David to, the waters of his spirit. God was saying, David, stop your busyness. Take a deep drink of the water of my spirit. Stand with me and let me tell you a quick story. When I lived in East Texas, I, um, there was a pond across the street from me. And I used to marvel at how sometimes that pond could be so still that it was like a mirror or it was like glass. And I noticed when it was just like glass, you could hardly tell it was even water. A leaf could fall off of a tree and fall slowly down and hit that pond. And it was so still, it sent ripples out through the whole pond. Now listen, church. When your soul is at rest, it's like that glassy pond. And that still, small voice of God can fall like a leaf and touch the surface of your soul. And you're so calm, you hear it, and it sends ripples out through your whole life. But if you've got troubled waters in your soul, you could drop a boulder down there, and you're not going to know the difference. But when you're calm, Here comes God's still small voice. I hear you, Lord. I got it, Lord. I'm fed, Lord. I'm directed, Lord. God wants our souls at peace. So say with me, cast your cares on him. Thank you, Lord. You start right there. Cast your cares on him. Say with me now, stop your busyness. Then say, graze in the word. Drink from the spirit. And if we will do what David did, you know what the Bible promises? We'll be able to say with him, he restores my soul. Can we lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today? Thank you for your blessing, Jesus. God has spoken right to some of you. And I just sense his spirit upon us right now. Thank you, Lord.